الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم We are Surah Al-Luqman, Surah number 31, Ayah number 6. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Al-Rajim, Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Wa minan nasi man yashtari lahu al-hadith li yudilla an sabirillahi bi ghayr ilm, wa yittakhidaha huzua. أولئك لهم عذاب مهين وإذا تطلع عليه آياتنا ولا مستكبرا كأن لم يسمعها كأن في أذنيه وقرا بشره بعذاب أليم. From the beginning of the surah Allah subhanahu wa taala discusses the reality of the Quran, it's a book of revelations, a book of Wisdom and intellect and guidance and rahmah for those who do good and seek goodness, those who are muhsineen and they establish prayer and they give zakat and they have firm faith, certainty about the akhirah. These two ayats speak about others who do not have a mission or vision. For the Akhirah, and they do not base their understanding of the world and their proselytizing and their campaigning on any knowledge that is worthy of mention. But yet they perform. This ayah number six is about performers and artists who may have a single agenda that is limited to some type of benefit in the world, but uh, their overall agenda is to make money and to entertain and to help people waste time through pastime and uh, other schemes, mechanisms that we very well know of, not only today from, but from time immemorial. When we speak about contemporary ills and vices and sins, we must be careful not to isolate the psyche behind it from human civilization. Just because the nature and the form of sin has changed over the last 20 years or 50 years or a century, doesn't mean to say that people weren't sinning before. They're the same human beings. We have the same nafs. Just as today we waste time in pastime and entertainment, likewise, previously, they would waste time in pastime and entertainment. The basic fundamental uh, reality, or the the, the sifa, the description of the human being, is the same. So, usually people become offended that Hollywood does this and Bollywood does this, as if we are saying that Hollywood is a mother of all evil, which it may be, maybe it is, it's 
So we're not insulting you as a contemporary member of human society. It's just that this has come on the back of centuries of human tradition of sinning. So we're not condemning necessarily the modern world. We are condemning something that is there in all human beings at every time, in every place. That's why the Quranic uh, description of sin and the Quranic prescription for addressing sin is universal. However, when we read it today, in our time, in our space, obviously and invariably we are going to see it as being reflective of society today. More than often, modern-day Muslims, they simply do not appreciate that the Qur'an is not only addressing them, it's also addressing people before them, and is addressing people who will come after them. You just happen, coincidentally, to be here at this time, this space, and this place. So, if Hollywood is the face of evil, then it's Hollywood. And if it is Shakespearean theatre, 400 years ago is Shakespearean theatre. 300 years from now, if it's some virtual uh, kind of reality stuff, holograms, then is that. So what I'm saying is that the, the, the Muslim psyche must understand that as we as Muslims are reading the Quran today, we must be very careful not to become offended when someone says, this has to do with this, this and that, as if we are saying that this is a contemporary issue and an issue that now faces us and a crisis that faces us independent of the crises that have already existed before. Right? So you read the Quran uh, in such a way that you keep the message universal independent of time and space but you apply it personally to your time and space as a prescription for you. It's not a prescription, not a, a diagnosis necessarily of you know, your, 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 your participation in, in your contemporary uh, life and your contemporary situation. So here, read the, if you read this ayah, There are people from mankind, there are those who buy and sell. Lahul hadith, mere pastime of discourse. Futile discourse. Lahul hadith, storytelling. That is futile. Now, because we are here now, we will say what? This has to do with some of the contemporary issues that we are facing and so on. So you can take your pick. The pop culture, the hip-hop culture, the entertainment business, the art culture, whatever you want to say. Now, and when this ayah was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad it was referring to a person by the name of Nadar bin Harith who would go out into Persia and buy stories and fables or uh, have literally a membership to guilds where they would tell stories. And he would purchase that membership and then come back to the Quraysh and tell them those fabulous stories of uh, Persians and everybody else so that he would contradict what the Prophet ﷺ was saying and he would tell the Quraysh you don't need to listen to the Quran 
listen to my stories because they are much more entertaining and pleasing and amusing. That is a prototype. You apply everything that fits that prototype. Lahwal hadith. That is purely uh, entertainment and purely amusement and, and you engage there. And you're fixed there. And you don't want to move from that setting at the expense of your salat, of your dhikr, at the expense of your family members, at the expense of your, your social responsibilities and other responsibilities, you become an addict. You become addictive to that amusement. Now, it has many expressions in the world. When you hear it, it has a few expressions. When you're in the East, it has other expressions. Uh, as I mentioned, so that he may lead people away from Allah without any knowledge out of ignorance. Nadar bin Harith did this to the Quraysh and the Quraysh would oblige and they would not listen to the Quran and the Prophet because they would say, we have a date, we have an appointment, we have bought tickets to the theater. Right, we've got to watch this show and that show and we have to listen to this speaker and this speaker and then they would not listen to the Quran and not listen to the Prophet So this is seen as idlal, seen as misrepresenting the truth, seen as taking people away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His glory, His might, His power and everything else that He does for us. And more than that, He makes His storytelling a means of mockery so that he may comment and he may make people laugh at the Prophet and the Quran and laugh at Islam and the Muslims and he may do whatever he wants to do in the name of making sure people don't become super religious or religious period. Now, as I said, in your imagination, through your imagination and with your imagination, you may include everybody and everything that you feel fits into this paradigm. In your own self, in your family, in your social life, and in also the mainstream, mainstream American narrative. Who are these people? You do it yourself. I'm not going to tell you. It's a subjective exercise. So the rule is that anyone or anything that takes you away from your religious obligations, such as Salat, so, and everything else, or your, your personal obligations vis-a-vis your family, your immediate family, or your relatives, or your other social obligations in terms of uh, everything else that you do, your, your, your ability to earn and study and to become a, a active participant in the society in which you live, all of that will be included in this, all of that. And parents do parenting based on this. I, I would assume you don't want your kid to become an addict of anything. Right? Games, videos, TV, movies, music, whatever it is. Now, on the back end of that, the bigger question is, should society allow this? It's a bigger question. Here at this kind of private citizen level that in my house I don't want my children or anyone else in my house to become this way 
at a societal level, at the level of a civilization, should you promote this, or should you not promote this through your education, or through your humanities, or through your sciences, or through your your endowments, or through your understanding of art and culture, and so on? That's a bigger question. Right? No? If you say that I don't want my child to now be addicted to videos and games and war games, then what's the, what's the back end of that? Should you allow this to be uh, manufactured in the first place? No? If you're seeing this as poison, should you allow anybody to say, I'm going to manufacture poison? And whoever wants to use it, they can use it. It's a bigger question. Which we're not going to address here. I'm going to let you think about it. <laughs> I can give you the fatwa. Somewhere in a Muslim country, if they ask me, what is the fatwa, I'll give them my fatwa. That'll be the end of it. I want you to understand that in the bigger picture, would you allow it? Then, if you allow it, then you say you're creating a problem and then solving it. You don't want anyone to become addicted to the Powerball, right? $900 million in gambling, the lottery. Right? Then would you allow lottery to exist in the first place? No? You don't want people to get drunk and then drive and then kill. The question is, would you allow drinking? Period. Or are you going to say, let's create the problem and solve it as we go along? We'll have contingency plans. As a matter of legal philosophy, legal thinking, legislation and all of that. So here, likewise, the ulama have discussed this ayah at length. In the tafasir, you'll read some of those comments you may not like as someone living in modern-day America. But they're asking a bigger question. Can we, as a Muslim society and a civilization, can we create a problem or allow a problem to exist and then deal with it when it goes wrong? This is why this ayah was important for the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba to understand firsthand from Allah ﷻ. For these people, if they promote it at this level where they're going to uh, prevent others from worshipping Allah, they will have a very shameful punishment to do. That you're using this tool uh, to destroy the salvation of other people then your salvation will be destroyed. At that level, the Qur'an does not seem to endorse anything that leads to some kind of illusion or some industry that's going to create more filth than good. وَإِذَا تُطْلَى عَلَيْهِ آيَاتُنَا وَلَّا مُسْتَكْبِرًا كَأَنْ لَمْ يَسْمَعْهَا كَأَنَّ فِي أُذُنَيْهِ وَقَرَةً and when our signs and our ayat, our verses are recited to this person, meaning Nadab bin Harith initially, what do they do? They turn away and they turn their backs mustakbiran, out of arrogance. As if they have not heard them and they pretend they do not listen to the words of the Quran even when they are recited. As if there is now some kind of uh, deafness in his ears. 
where somebody has poured oil into the ear and that oil becomes a burden or an wakr, and then they're not able to hear nothing penetrates their ears then as a gesture Allah says give him glad tidings of a painful doom and punishment meaning you are doing this knowing that you are being proud and you are arrogant and you do not want to listen to the truth and because of this attitude of yours you will be punished so these two ayats speak about how not to use your faculties especially those faculties of creative imagination every human being has been given the ability to think and to be creative and to ponder and to reflect and to imagine these two ayahs say that this is not part of Allah's hikmah it is not part of the wisdom that is necessary to understand the Quran and the Sunnah and the Prophet Muhammad if you become so enamored with the imagination of people who are merely there to make money and to abuse and then to amuse and then to entertain and then to exploit then you are not using that faculty the right way this is not wisdom this is not hikmah in, in that vein as we discussed last week we are appropriating the meaning of these two ayahs إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٌ نَعِيمٌ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا وَعَدَ اللَّهِ حَقَّةٌ وَهُمْ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ Indeed, those who believe and do good deeds for them, there will be gardens of delight, orchards of delight and na'im, many forms of blessings and many forms of entertainment. And they will use their creative imagination in ways they did not know they were able to use in the dunya. So you're juxtaposing Jannah, the place where you become immensely creative with whatever imagination people are using in this world. In this world, your abilities are very limited because of time and space. In Jannah, you will not be limited because they will live in there forever. So it's perpetual. And it's almost eternal. So in that zone where there is no time and the space is unlimited, your ability to think and imagine will also become almost unlimited as a reflection of the place that you are in. Right? If you live, <coughs> if you live in a cold place, then you will feel the cold. Even if you're in a warm room, look outside and it's cold. This will get to you. If you live in a hot place and the sun is out every day, and you live in uh, AC, with the AC on, you'll still know it's hot. You'll feel the heat. Right? So when you live in Jannah, where there's a pure creativity, and eternal, almost eternal, then you'll feel that. You'll feel the effects of the environment uh, as every human being is going to be affected by his or her environment. That is why if you want to read, then sit in a library. One day you'll pick up a book. Right. <laughs> you can't sit in the, the movie theater and then expect to do your homework. That doesn't work. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that if you want to be creative and use your faculties of imagination, 
then this is the way to do it. Do good deeds in this world, have iman and faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then you will come to a place where you will live forever, khalidin fiha, and you will be in bliss, gardens of bliss, jannat and naim, gardens of delight, and you will be creating your own pleasure and your own delight, as we have mentioned so many other times. Wa'adullahi haqqa. This is Allah's promise, which is the truth. The devil comes and insinuates in you that if you think this way, you will gain some pleasure. And that pleasure is usually short-lived if it comes to fruition. That's if it comes to fruition. Usually it doesn't. They're they're usually fantasies. So now, when you live your fantasies, or you try to live your fantasies, you are severely disappointed when they don't happen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that this story, which story? The story that person believes in Allah, does good deeds, meets Allah, and then is rewarded eternally. This is a true story. And the story the devil inspires or insinuates in you is what? Okay, have fun in this world and worry about the akhirah when you get there. That's not a true story. That's kadib. That's a lie. Okay. So Allah is saying that if you want to understand storytelling, read the Quran. Allah is the best storyteller. He gives us the best stories. And the way He tells stories, no one else can. So this is a story. Those who believe and do good deeds, they meet Allah. Allah rewards them. In one sentence. A beautiful story. It's the truth. It's a very simple formula. But human beings do not believe and that's why they don't appreciate the beauty and the enormity of this promise. As human beings say, oh, this is too simplistic, I need more. And the devil says, we need more of this. I don't want a simple commentary, I want a complicated commentary that I don't understand. So that I can go home and tell my people that I went to a tafsir and I didn't understand the word, that was the best commentary I ever heard. The vanity of man takes over. He is the most supreme and the eternally wise. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enforce this promise because he is able to, Al-Aziz, and he will do so through his eternal wisdom and the, 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 uh, the, the knowledge that he has. As I said, the Quran makes life easier for people. The Quran does not want people to make life complicated for themselves by assuming that they are more sophisticated than they actually are. So if you have sophisticated language, and sophisticated culture, and sophisticated art, and you want to do this and this and that, meaning that somewhere, somehow, you will be happy. You go to a movie, you go to a theater, you watch an entertainer, or you go and meet an artist, then you will have pleasure, no doubt, but that pleasure will be short-lived then you, if, you, if you have problems at home, what, you, what are you going to do, dear? <laughs> Imagine this story, a real story. Okay. A couple has problems within themselves, and they go for what? Amusement, entertainment, and they have a grand time. And when they come back home, reality hits them again. So what, that pleasure is what? Isn't it short-lived? Allah says in Jannah, nothing short-lived. 
all in the inner beer, forever. You taste the fruit, you have pleasure. And that pleasure will be eternal. And from the next bite you get more pleasure. Whereas in this life, your pleasures are regulated by you. By your family. By your society. By your work. By your assets. By the environment. By Trump. Right? Everything regulates you and your pleasure. Your sense of security is regulated by the government. Your sense of accomplishment and success is regulated by your peers, by the people who say to you, you've done a good job. Okay? Your family life is regulated by your family. And your intellectual pursuit is regulated by your, stri your struggle and your striving to get more knowledge and so on. So here Allah is saying that, uh, understand that this formula of storytelling is very simple. And the Bedouin, Bedouin Arab and the Sahaba, they understood this story. It's a very simple story. And they were the masters of storytellers. Who? The Quraysh. The poets. The poets of the Jahiliyyah and also some of the Sahaba. Uh, when they told stories, they used very sophisticated language and imagery, metaphors, similes, parables, qasam, oaths. They were the masters of language. But they never represented reality the way the Quran represents reality. They can't. Nor can we. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that if you are truly an artist, you must appreciate the beauty that the Quran is. If you don't have time or you don't make time to understand the beauty that the Quran is, then it doesn't matter which performer in the world you listen to or you look at or you meet or you get his photograph from, you have missed out. You're missing out on something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to you for free, where the only membership is saying, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. azizul hakim. So that's one thing. The, the ability to coin words in such a way that entertains and amuses people uh, is at different levels. When you are instructing your child, then the child will re write a story and you will say, mashallah, very creative, very nice story. If that child, after 20 years, is writing the same story, what will you tell the child? Very good, mashallah, alhamdulillah. No, it will slap him one, hopefully. What is this? Right? So, human beings, if they remain childish for 50 years, 60 years, so at the end of their endeavor in life, they still appreciate Disney. What is this? Haven't you moved on? What is this nonsense? So the Quran is saying, you know, uh, bring some maturity into yourself. Al-Hakim, the wise, the one who has mature knowledge, will say, I've been there, done that. I've been there, done that. Now what you do is in entertainment. You are only entertaining because there's a commercial value to your entertainment. Usually. You don't have the pure artists in the world anymore. They're few and far between. But even if, even if they understand that the, 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 the ultimate beauty is in the, crater of, in the crater of the heavens and the earth. 
is in Allah's creation, is in Allah creating them. Why don't you spend one hour, half an hour, thinking about how Allah created you with this precision, with this accuracy of who you are, what you are, with all of this. Now think about that and you'll see it. This is wonderful amusement. The pleasure you gain when you think of how Allah works with you, in you, through you, is far more than any pleasure you will find ever from the screen, from the sounds of music that you listen to. But you don't have the time because you're still in a childish state of existence. And you want everybody else to be as childish as you because you don't want to disturb the status quo. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then addresses us through the next ayah. Let's move on from this storytelling to observing the storyteller. When you understand a story, then you want to, and read the story, you want to meet the author. Is that true? When you listen to a piece of music, you want to meet the artist. When you watch a movie, you want to meet the producer and the actors. No? Yes? Likewise, Allah is saying, when you read the Quran and the stories of the Quran, you must yearn to meet Allah. When you see the dunya, you must yearn to meet the one who created the dunya. Who is the creator? So he introduces us to the creator. Allah is the one who created the heavens without any pillar that you can see. Without any support that you can see. Where is this possible in human imagination that you could have a house without any foundation, without any support, without any column, without any pillar. You won't see it. So can't you live in this ayah for years and be amazed and you want to visit and revisit, think and rethink, thank and rethank all the time. You look at the heavens, it could easily fall. And we could be caved in instantaneously. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another ayah, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُمْسُكُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ أَنْ Allah prevents the heavens and the earth from shaking and caving in because that's His grace, that's His rahmah, that's His mercy. This building, mashallah, Allah preserved and keep it, was not on any foundation with no support, no walls, no roof, where it would be, it would be impossible to live. But he has done that for all human beings, all human beings, not just one, all human beings, that he has created the heavens without any support that you can see. This is the observation of the creator. So Allah tells us a story, then he says, meet the storyteller. This is how you meet the storyteller. Understand how he creates, what he creates, and where he creates. And then he has cast down onto the earth anchors, rawasiyah. That you have a ship and you have an anchor when it docks. So this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he has anchored the earth and less that it shakes and moves with you, underneath you. This is a favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why don't you mention this story to your children? Why don't you mention this for your pleasure? And why don't you mention this for the pleasure of the author, the artist, the creator? Right? 
when you go and meet the author or the artist or the producer or the actor, then you want to say something nice to that person. Or you may want to give that person a card. Or you may want to give that person something. Meaning your thanks and your gratitude and your praise. Allah subhanahu wa says, mention this, praise me. I will reward you immensely. Much more than anyone else can do so. And then he has spread all across the earth every type of creature that crawls and walks and flies. Allah Father is saying that he has adorned the earth with so many different types of creation and creatures that when you go and explore okay, different parts of the world uh, and you see and you observe Allah's creativity Allah's creation, you're just left in awe and the only thing you can say is subhanallah when you go there and you look and you'll spend thousands of dollars on that cruise or on that trip and you'll plan it one year ahead, two years ahead and so on this is in this dunya so you can explore the dunya and see this is the creation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you to observe and to enjoy and to thank Allah for this creation, now write this story why don't you say this story and narrate this story? It's Allah's creation. All over the world and all over the universe. You look at the sun, the moon, the stars and see how they work in sync and how they are in harmony with everything else. This is a story worth telling also. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now is, is alluding to the human being that yes, you do need to be entertained. But we have provided enough entertainment for you in creation that you don't need something that is surreal or plastic or cosmetic or fake or make-belief. <laughs> no? It's make-belief that we're entertained by. Is it not? Everything's make-belief. So Allah says, don't do make-belief, just do belief. Meaning, observe Allah. Observe Allah's power and might and beauty in His creation. That is worth now working for, looking forward to mentioning, discussing, making a story of this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in action. وَأَنزَلْنَا مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَا أَنفَأَنبَتْنَا فِيهَا مِنْ كُلِّ زَوْجٍ Thereafter, from the heavens, he has sent down water. And by that, he has now caused to grow upon it, on the earth, every type of vegetation that is good, sojin kareem, that is noble, and in pairs, that is good, and noble in, in, in origin. So whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates from the earth, is going to be created through water. Water comes down from heavens, and also water comes from the springs, and the wells, and the rivers, and the sea, and everything else, and through that process, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has caused so many things to grow from the earth. And that's your excursion trip, basically. That's what you pay thousand dollars to go out and see. This Hada Khalkullah. This is Allah's creation. So Allah creates and He represents His, uh, his artistry and His beauty. And the, the way He communicates is by His creation. Think Allah when you see something stupendous. So the Muslim says, Subhanallah, when he goes and observes something like the Victoria Falls. 
when you go there. When it's in Niagara Falls. The only thing you can say is SubhanAllah. As a Muslim. You can't say anything else. Wow doesn't cut it. <laughs> wow means nothing to Muslim. SubhanAllah. What is this? Right? When you see the Grand Canyon, you stand there. SubhanAllah. You stand there. And you don't move. You stand there. Right. This is Allah's creation. This is the way Allah creates. And He has done so through His knowledge, through His hikmah, through His power, His might, and also through His grace, subtlety, and also beauty. Inna Allah jamilun yuhibbul jamal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is beautiful and He likes beauty. Allah's creation and industry is that He has perfected everything. He creates. This is Allah's creation. And then Allah challenges, To show me what others besides him have created. They can't create. What they do is make belief. It's fake. And they make you believe it's real. That's not their creation. That's a fake creation. Allah subhanahu is challenging the mind of the artist and the mind of the author and the mind of the performer that yes, what you can do is this. You may represent a reality. Or you may think that you represent a reality that already exists. You cannot create a reality. The only reality you can create is your iman, your actions, whether good or bad. When somebody comes and does evil, he has now created evil. When somebody comes and does good, he has now created good. And it's all on the back of his intention his iman and his belief and his mind, his, his worldview and everything else that comes along with the human being. So every human being is an actor. Every human being is a performer. And that is why the word amal is used in the Quran. Performance, action, doing. It's all action. Amal. amal. So all human beings who are with taklif and they, they are responsible for their actions will be doing, will be acting, will be performing. This is your creation. When you're offering salat, you are now performing salat. It's a performance in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is an audition, it's a rendition. When you're reciting the Quran, it's a rendition, it's an audition in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you're giving zakat, it's a performance. When you're fasting, it's a performance. When you are observing hajj, you better believe it's a performance. Because you're really not that patient. But there, uh, I'm going to be patient. You do everything to make sure your hajj is valid. The true performance. Right? You take off your clothes. You're not supposed to adorn yourself. It's a true act. For whom? For Allah. Not for people. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that first and foremost, we have given every, given every human being the ability and the taklif the responsibility to act and to perform for themselves, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so they absolve themselves of the responsibility of the taklif to now uh, be grateful, number one, and to be an active participant in human society. So that you're not isolationist and you're not moving away from the society, saying that we don't need people and so on. And this, secondly, if you do want to entertain the idea of storytelling, make sure the story is true. 
There's no falsehood in it. Otherwise, that will be a gross misrepresentation of reality for which you will be questioned. That is why the Prophet said that whoever coins a lie against me, then he might as well book his seat in Jahannam. So when you're representing me, make sure it's not a lie. Because I didn't come to tell any lie. I came to speak the truth. So when you're saying Islam this, Islam that, make sure it is the truth. Not a lie. Not a misrepresentation of the haq or the truth. And that is where we need to begin nowadays in our quest to expose what we say is Islam and the truth and representing the Prophet Muhammad this would be a performance if Muslims got together and they performed this duty of representing the Prophet through their stories, their lives, their life uh, experiences, uh, encounters then that would be something worth recording and talking about which many Muslims have done so in the past but unfortunately the fact of the matter is that those who are oppressors and those who are unjust, they remain in open manifest error and in misguidance. Meaning their nafs gets the better of them and their ideals of glory and their ideals of uh, making a lot of money overtakes them and they do everything to, 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 to appease their nafs and their desires, or at the very least they do everything to appease people around them. That is a manifest error. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the reader of the Qur'an, this is Surah Al-Luqman, in which wisdom is revealed, and we gave Luqman wisdom, (coughs) which is the next time. And we'll do that next week, inshallah. But as a reader of the Qur'an, you must appreciate Allah's knowledge comes down with His wisdom. Allah now represents His word through wisdom. Meaning mature knowledge is not something that is childish. The opposite of wisdom will be foolishness and childishness. So we must read the Qur'an with a sense of maturity, sense of understanding that this is for the benefit of all people, not just for me in this time and this place.